Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I wish I could say it was a beautiful morning. It is. It is. Okay. It's a beautiful morning, isn't it? But it looks like a few people think that Methodists can't get out in the rain or they're going to melt. So we got a lot of sissies that decided to stay away this morning. And uh, what we're going to do next week, we're going to charge them double to come in here when it's dry. <laughs> but we're glad to see you here. And uh, as we gather this morning, may we indeed, in the friendship and the uh, fellowship we share, it will be a warm uh, day here indeed. And so uh, we now uh, come to our call to worship. And as we do, may we bring ourselves, our prayers, our lives, and everything we are before God. Will you stand now as we join together in a hymn of celebration number 213, Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates.
as we share in our joys and concerns this morning, I have the joy to share two beautiful uh, bouquets, arrangements of flowers on the altar. The first is given in celebration of my daughter, who turns 12 on Tuesday. So hard to imagine. It feels like just yesterday that she was born. Um, but she, you know, you've all seen her grow up in this church and, and uh, raised, so she's become a beautiful young woman and uh, very excited for that. But a joy to celebrate my daughter's 12th birthday on Tuesday uh, prayers. Her, her brother has 102 fever right now, so we oh. pray that she doesn't get it. But I do lift this joy up. As well, the joy, uh, the second arrangement uh, on Wednesday is Gary's not 12th birthday. Uh, he's <laughs> slightly older. Um, so he's 71 this coming uh, Wednesday. So it's, uh, if you'll stand, Gary. <laughs> He is now considered to be breaking the speed limit in almost every state. Uh, but it's a joy that we get to celebrate with Gary, his 71st birthday. And if you have your best singing voices, would you be willing to sing with me? Thank you very much. Um, I do want you to know, actually, Christina is older than I. She was born on uh, uh, 24. the 24th, and I was born on the 25th, so she has That's to be right. older <laughs> than I am. So, do you have words of wisdom from all of these years? Oh, yeah. You know, if I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. <laughs> That's, um, For these joys we stay together, <laughs> we give you thanks. As we come then to our time of prayer, I would invite you to turn in your hymn books to our prayer hymn, number 399, Take My Life and Let It Be.
May we pray. Eternal God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to the foot of the throne of your grace this morning, and we give you thanks, O God, for as the rain falls, we know so much the parched earth needs that. But we also understand today that there are many places facing flood warnings and runoff and perhaps hill that will be coming down on people's homes. And so we just want to ask that all those in danger today will be safe, that uh, even in the midst of the rain that is so welcome, its effects sometimes are not. And so, oh Lord, in the midst of the rejoicing for the rain, watch out for those who need your care today. But as the rain that falls upon the earth, bringing refreshing moisture to parched earth, might we remember, O Lord, once more today that the power of your Holy Spirit to the parched souls of your people so need to be revitalized, restored, and renewed. And so, Lord, let us, as the rain that falls upon the earth, let the rain of the Spirit fall upon our souls that we might be nourished, that our souls may grow, that we might feel the abundance of your presence and the love that always surrounds us. Lord, we lift up so many concerns today for those we know and some we don't, for loved ones and family, for members of the church, for those who have moved from our church and yet still a part of the family. And so, O oh Lord, we ask for each name lifted today, joining together by the power of our prayer, that each one might even this moment feel the grace of your presence, the strength of your spirit, the love of your peace, but most of all, the touch of your hand to help them, assist them, and be upon them in every time of need. And so, Lord, we simply take now the next few moments for any prayer we have upon our heart, that we might take an opportunity to lift that prayer to you now. So we take a moment to let time touch eternity and let us know that you are here. And so now, Lord of mercy and Lord of grace, touch our prayers by thy hand, and we give you thanks. And this we pray in the name of him who taught us all that we might pray in his words that we might say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
Thanks and praises we give to you. These are gifts, tithes, and offerings. May you use these for the ministry of your church that we be faithful to continue to reach out, not only to this community, but throughout the world. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Please listen now and receive a reading from the Word of God. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali. On the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is God's word to God's people. Before I pray, it's kind of one of those days, I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired this morning. So I want to encourage you, take a moment, if you want to stretch, stand up, get the blood circulating. Anybody? <laughs> Feels good to stretch, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. You were stuck here. You got to sit. Just with the gray weather, it's just kind of one of those mornings. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we can join together in worship, that we can hear your word read and shared, a word that transforms hearts and lives, that we come into your presence this day with excitement and with joy to experience your spirit afresh and renewing us in our faith, that today we might experience your goodness and your grace through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. So how was your weekend? Based on news reports, social media feeds, and conversations with people who had strong feelings and emotions, I think it's fair to say probably this past weekend and this past week was the best of times and the worst of times, depending on the side uh, or depending on your perspective. I've yet to hear anyone say, what happened this past week? Or, you know, it was just another week. But I want to make it as perfectly clear as I can that I am not talking about politics this morning. I believe the message is so much bigger that I, and the message that we need to share and hear is so much bigger. I'm here to share the great joy and the responsibility that we share as Christians to respond to Jesus' call to follow me and I will make you fishers of people in order that we might learn to live into the Good news of Jesus' words. Repent, the kingdom of God has come near in every aspect of our lives so that we can bring the light of Christ into the darkness, that we can bring the light of Christ into this world and into the lives of others. Because we know that life is more than politics and it's more than rain. Life is... And ministry is about people living everyday life experiences with the joys and the blessings that seem to come beyond measure and sometimes beyond our wildest imagination, as well as experiencing the dark times in life. Those hurts, fears, anger, grief, so many more things that touch each of us on the deepest level. My message today focuses, focuses on learning to hear and act on God's call to bring the joy of the good news of the kingdom of God here now, both in word and action to everyone regardless. You see, it starts with Jesus. For the first time in Matthew, Jesus comes front and center here in this, in this passage. Up to this, up through the first three chapters, we kind of hear about the supporting cast so to speak. In Matthew 1, we hear of the genealogy, and we learn of Joseph, who, who's just been told that his, his beloved, his betrothed, is with child. We learn of Herod and Ma, uh, the Magi and their interaction. We learn of John the Baptist's ministry in the wilderness. Now, following the temptation, Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee, and he calls his first disciples. But Jesus doesn't fit that stereotypical Messiah that people envisioned would come at that time. He doesn't come with military or political aspirations. He doesn't hope to restore the temple or to overthrow Rome. 
but his power and authority are staggering nonetheless. You see, Jesus was powerful enough to conquer darkness. He was universal enough to include Jews and Gentiles in the gospel message. Authoritative enough to call simple men and women and transform them into the leaders of a movement that would change the life of a church or change the life of the world and, and the course of history, yet effective enough to attend to the basic needs of people, to offer healing to the sick, sight to the blind, cure for the leper. He healed the body, the heart, the mind, and the spirit. He alone was the Messiah who could advance the kingdom of God without army, without sword, or without the backing of the establishment in his time. He moved mountains. Yet his authority as the inaugurator of the kingdom demanded and still demands a response. Take Peter, Andrew, James, and John, for example. They're in their fishing boats, or they're out on the, out on the shore tending to their nets when Jesus walks by and calls to them. <coughs> Out of the busy schedules, the busyness of their days, a long night of work, Jesus says, come, follow me. And whether they knew Jesus or not, when Jesus called, these four brothers, two sets of brothers, left everything in the middle of their work day to go follow. In order to respond and to follow, there were some things that they had to accept and some things that they had to overcome, though. You see, first, the focus was on Jesus. Follow me. He was the spiritual appointed messianic son, God incarnate, in whom the kingdom had arrived. By his authority alone could one embark on a life of discipleship and sustain it. Second, a new kingdom needed workers. I will make you fishers of persons, of people, of men and women. You see, we, got, we have the scripture passage that says, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus was enlisting workers to join with him in this kingdom mission, in this work. In the short term, it was to bring the good news that the kingdom had, in fact, arrived. In the long term, it was to bring forth the Great Commission. Third, it took a personal commitment. Again, follow me. They were called to join not only in the mission, but Jesus was calling them to himself. Fourth, it required a new understanding of discipleship. He said to them, he called to them. You know, we know discipleship, usually it's a student seeking out a master. It's kind of like a, master, uh, a doctorate, a student seeking out a certain professor to study with. Well, Jesus established a new form of discipleship. He went to the students, he went to the people and said, follow me. He called them to be with him. And instead of the students becoming their own masters and having disciples of their own, carrying on that way, rather they would remain disciples with him even unto death. Being a disciple of Jesus was not simply an apprenticeship program. It was a life that began in relationship with the master and affected every area of their life and played out in every area of their lives. You know, this new way of relationship to Jesus became the foundation for this kingdom life that he was ushering in. But we learn from the passages leading up to this moment that kingdom life was not going to be easy. And we see that played out in the rest of the gospel. You see, because leading up to this, we learn through Jesus' temptations, we get a glimpse of a spiritual battle waging between God's perfect plan and Satan's opposition. We see in John's message of repentance the struggle between the message of the good news, of hope, and one of an establishment. Even John's arrest shows the tension between the hope people hold for a greater future and the oppression that they were experiencing living in the shadow of Herod's throne and Roman rule. But the message of this new kingdom was first given to the people who needed to hear it most. Realized for some 750 years in that region, ever since Assyria came down and took over the northern kingdom, there had been Gentile influence rule of different nations over that region. The Jews living in that area were said to be the people sitting in darkness as they experienced the wickedness, the judgment, and even death at the hands of Herod and, and Rome. It was there where the darkness seemed to be so dense, so far removed from Jewish life in Jerusalem, 
that they were able to see the brightness shine through when God's light was given. Jews witnessed firsthand this light of God's deliverance and Jesus through his proclamation of the good news and it says that he cured and he healed and he went forth in his ministry proclaiming in that region. You know, Capernaum was only about eight miles from Tiberias where Herod lived. Jesus doesn't run away. He goes right to where the heart of the issue is. He goes right to the sea of power to bring forth a beautiful light. A word that the kingdom was in fact there. But we know not everyone would receive that light. We know not everyone would hear his message. After all, in that region, it's gorgeous. A beautiful sea, wonderful architecture, commerce, sport, you know, academics, cultural experiences. Yet the light had come and people would be forever changed having experienced it as they learn to respond to God's call in that moment and to join in the mission to bring this good news of a kingdom, not of this world. In fact, it was in this place where Jesus first called the disciples to share in his missions. In Capernaum, in Galilee, he called the brothers. And it would be later in that same place that Jesus would call the disciples and many more to go forth into all the world, the Great Commission. Where it began, it so too would spread. I believe with all my heart that that call is still valid and still given to the church today. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. You know, Jesus called the brothers from where they were to leave everything in order to become his disciples and they responded by faith. We too are called to leave everything in order to become fishers of people. But the challenges, and there are some great ones that we must overcome, are learning to accept and to respond in faith to that call. You see, by that call, we need to ask questions. Who do we put our focus on in this life? Is the focus about me or he who is in me that is greater than he who is in this world? Are we willing to do the work necessary to bring forth this kingdom, both inward and outward? Are we fully committed to this call, or do we go at it half steam, give half of what we have? Are we willing to live out a life of discipleship as we learn what that looks like, and as we come to understand what that means? But not every disciple is called, and not every Christian is called to leave behind his or her professional life, nor to leave your family behind. You know, I, uh, I had the opportunity in October to go to Chicago, and one of the individuals I went with asked me if I would go to Northwestern University, the Garrett Evangelical mm -hmm. Seminary. I said, sure, and we went to the chapel there, and it's, we went because his great uncle when his great uncle was a child, his father left the family to go to missions in Africa and never came home, <laughs> never looked back at his family. And this person's great uncle was so hurt, so angry that they rejected God and they rejected everything related to church. When they got older, they made a successful career for themselves and they had the finances that they gave the money to build this chapel because he had his own quote unquote Aldersgate experience. You know, he realized he wanted to give back to God, but it wasn't at the expense of his family. You know, leaving everything doesn't mean giving up your common sense. I knew a person in seminary. He was part of our small group. And I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again. Drove a beautiful, bought a brand, beautiful, brand new SUV, gorgeous SUV. Drove it for several months. All of a sudden, we noticed that he started walking. And we're like, what happened? You had this gorgeous SUV. Why aren't you driving it anymore? And he goes, well, I believe God told me not to pay, make payments on it. <laughs> At the 9 o'clock service, someone said, are you telling me not to make payments? I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. But this person didn't make payments on his car. And I said, we said, you know that's called repossession, right? <laughs> Don't give up common sense, please. But discipleship does mean that we place as a priority as the priority of our lives joining with Jesus and reaching out to those around us with the good news to offer hope and light 
and comfort and peace. From that place, I believe we're able to live as true disciples, bringing forth a transformation to the world, which is this kingdom that is promised, both now and not yet, for it's not fully formed or finished. And I believe that this transformation begins within each of us, you and within me, as we come to this reality, because as we allow ourselves to be transformed, we see a transformation in the world. Because we change how we interact. We change how we respond. We change situations and attitudes and lives and hearts when we respond differently. We remember that Jesus is the authoritative inaugurator of this kingdom. And when we acknowledge that our lives find true fulfillment to that call, come follow me to join in the advancement of the kingdom, to share God's grace and goodness and mercy and love in word and in action. When we learn to live out this kingdom, to bring the light to the darkness in Galilee, or dare I say Westlake Village, far from Jerusalem, dare I say Washington, <laughs> wherever it might be, when we learn to live out this kingdom now it's amazing we can't let appearances our opinions or our judgment prevent us from ministry but we can offer comfort and hope and joy to people in hard times and in tough situations Amen. I remember when I used to live in New York or in New Jersey and I worked in New York City. We would I would take the train in every day. And every afternoon, evening, when I would get off the train, there was this woman who was handicapped who would sit on the stairwell outside of the train. Myself included, people would walk as far away as possible, walk around her as much as possible, until one day I got off the train, and there was a college-age student sitting with her, talking with her. Couldn't tell you what their conversation was about. But I know that touched that woman as it touched me just to see it. Because it was a, more than a gentle nudge saying, what are you doing, Brian? Yeah. To minister to people effectively, we must take our calling and this joy of living in the light and living in this kingdom and share our lives with others to allow it to shine. 14 years ago, I was going into a restaurant in Pasadena with nine of my friends. Ten of us were going to dinner. And all I wanted to do was eat. <laughs> I'm a Methodist. The gentleman, this gentleman came out of, the, out of the bar area of the restaurant and caught my eye. And I wish he hadn't. <laughs> and I thought to myself, come on, seriously, I'm hungry. And he said, can I have some money? And I said, sir, I'm sorry, I don't give money. But I'll tell you what. I'll go for a walk with you. Because he said, I, I need money to take a bus ride. I said, I'll go for a walk with you. And we ended up spending the next hour walking the streets of Pasadena talking. And about half to three quarters of the way through that walk, he looked at me and he said, why are you walking with me? My own son doesn't even walk with me. And I said, that's exactly why I'm here. And as that time had come to a close and as we got to the bus stop, I said, you know, I told you I don't give money, and I don't, but I, I gave him a $5 bill, and I gave a complete stranger a hug that day, and I walked away. And as I walked away, I fought, fought, fought the urge to look over my shoulder to see what he did. 14 years later, I can't tell you what he did. And I share that story not because I want to prop myself up or pat myself on the back or say, hey, look what I did, but because 14 years ago, that gentleman, whatever his name might be, touched me and blessed my life more than I could ever have asked or imagined as I heard his story and learned about his life. You see, it's not about politics. Ministry is about people. Putting aside differences to find out the heart of a person, to make sure we know what makes people tick, to bring healing and comfort to the sick, into the hurting, just like Jesus did. You know, there's that old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
If we haven't learned to walk in someone else's shoes or to offer our coat, maybe we've missed something of the good news. If we haven't fed or clothed or cared for the least, the last, or the lost, maybe we don't understand what the kingdom looks like. If we haven't loved our enemies or prayed for those who persecute us, can we call ourselves disciples? Again, dare I say, if we've spoken more about politics and politicians than we have about our faith in this last year, have we really gotten out of the boat and heard the call? If we've not learned to meet people where they are, not where we want them to be, in order to share God's love in that place, remember God came down and met humanity in a specific time, but that time is for eternity. It's not too late for us to turn around and go back and meet them. There's a great quote that I read yesterday by a pastor. And his quote said, we, we as a church struggle with the temptation to be keepers of the aquarium rather than fishers of men. I love that quote. There are people we know in our lives there are people we don't know who are hurting, both inside and outside the church, on so many different things, on so many different levels. And we can be intent on building our ministries and, and taking care of our own. But we also need to be outward reaching, to go, therefore, into all the world, to make disciples of Jesus Christ that brings forth transformation to meet people where they are, hear their stories. As Jesus' disciples, I believe that we have an awesome privilege and obligation to bring this good news that there is hope, that there is life, that there is grace through this kingdom offered in Christ. So this morning, I want to ask you, rain aside, are you willing to put on your hip waders? Are you willing to get your nets your fishing poles, your buckets, your hands, whatever it might be, in order to come, follow, to make us fishers of people. Because I believe, as Jesus is good news, the kingdom of God is here. We're called to the party, and we're called to celebrate. So may we go forth today to share God's love, regardless of differences regardless of what we might feel to be Christ's light to this world. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we might come to you not perfect, but in our imperfection and know that even there you can do amazing and wonderful things through our lives. That you call us ever on in our relationship to you that through that we might meet people that we might be your body, your voice, your hands, your feet in ministry. Glorious God, we ask for your direction, your guidance, your leading, and a willingness to step in faith that we will jump out of the boat with reckless abandon for even one. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise this day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of dedication found in the black faith we sing. It's number 2223. They'll know we are Christians by our love.
are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. May I invite you to take a moment to reach out and take a hand of someone near you. And as hand in hand, we hold one another's hands. You got a warm one? You yeah, all got a warm one? Okay, good. May the warmth of that hand remind you of the warmth of the Spirit in this place today, for God is calling each and every one of us to go out in the world in love. We receive now the choral blessing and the benediction. So now in the name of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit go forth that truly we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. Amen. Amen.